0: I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you are prepared for what God has for us today. May I say to you, this is not my message today. Uh, I'm just the messenger. And uh, God has something for you today. Regardless of who you are, God has a message for you. Take your Bible, if you would please, turn with me to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter number 4. If you would please, as we continue our sermon series in the book of Mark entitled To Be Like Jesus. And that's the ultimate goal for all of us is to be conformed to the image of his dear son. That's all there is to it. Regardless of what we go through, regardless of who we meet, regardless of uh, the situations that might occur, all of that God puts together and plans to knock the edges off of us to make us more like his son. Let me ask you something. Are you closer to being like his son this week than you were last week? If you're not, we need to get into the, into the progress and process. Amen. Let me read for you. If you would, please, I'll begin reading in verse 35 because that's where we are in our, in our study. And, uh, I've entitled today's message, Jesus Had Storms Too. You're not the only one, and I'm not the only one that ever had a storm in our life. Jesus had storms too. The question might be asked, why did Jesus go through storms? After all, he could steal the storm. He could create the storm. Why did Jesus have to go through storms? Let me start with the last verse of chapter number four. And we might find out why. Verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another. What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus went through storms that you and I might know that he is the sovereign God of this universe. He's the one that stood on the ledge of nothing and spoke. And everything you and I see and enjoy wham, came into existence. And he upholds it all by the word of his power. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, our Lord. We didn't come today to worship a man. We came today to worship a God. A God-man that loved us so much that he hung on a cross and died for our sins. Jesus had storms too. Let's read it together. Would you follow along now as we read? The Bible said, And the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships wonder why Mark is the only writer that included the other little ships. I've thought about that all week. Other ships. Wonder why there was other little ships. Maybe Jesus wanted proof that what he is about to do was real. Because a lot of Christians are awful gullible yeah. uh-huh. you watch Christian television and I'll guarantee Christians are the most gullible people in the world yeah. they'll follow a rooster yeah. or a hen you know you've been there yeah. they'll believe everything in the world I could cut up this coat and send it to folks and tell them it had been anointed and it will heal corns. And a lot of folks are just sending money by the scores, believing everything in the world. If you watch Christian television, you believe it. You need some other little ships in your life. And Jesus was about to do the miraculous. Jesus is about to control nature itself. Jesus is about to say to the wind, stop, waves, hush. And he needed evidence watching those waves run across the sea as little whipped puppies with tail between their legs to hide under the porch because the God of the universe had commanded it to be so. And he needed somebody besides gullible Christians. To witness it. So there were other little ships. I think we needed some little ships down at AM. I still don't believe it. <laughs> Thank God we got a believer in the house. <laughs> need a need somebody to testify. We got a winner in the house. Verse 37. Notice this. And there arose a great storm of wind. Waves beat into the ship. Notice it didn't say upon the ship. Into the ship, so that it is now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep, at a pillow. And they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not? Carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind. And said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. How'd you like to have been on that boat? It just scared me to death. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this? Now, they've seen him heal lepers. They've seen him heal withered hands. They've seen him heal all manner of diseases. They've witnessed it firsthand. But now he's about to rebuke nature itself. He's about to proclaim himself to be boss, Lord, sovereign, He can do anything. And he rebuked the wind and it silenced. He said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Notice verse 41. And they said, what manner of man is this? That even the wind... And the sea obey him. Jesus had storms too. Notice the text, if you would please, in verse 37 without warning, without the 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock weather report, without Googling and seeing what the weather's going to be. Jesus said, let us pass over to the other side. He said, let us not. He did not say, let us attempt to make a journey. He did not say, if luck holds, we'll make it to the other side. You see, God, Jesus Christ knew what was going to happen. He knew about the storm before he left the shore He knew about his sovereign power to stand on the bow of that boat and rebuke nature itself and calm the sea. He knew all of that. So he said, let's go over. Thank God whenever he says something, it's going to come to pass. And they got to the other side just like he said he would. And then the Bible says as the sailors, men who were professional at seamanship, Fishermen who spent their entire life on that very sea in which the turbulent waves are going to begin to beat. They had been out there before. They knew how to row. They knew how to set the sail. They had been in storm beyond any imagination before because they fished that place for a living. Those boys were raised and walked up and down the shore of that very sea. The journey is six miles from where Jesus is to where he's going. Six miles across the sea, Jesus said, with certainty, let us pass over. Jesus told me if I'd believe him, he'd save me. And he told me he didn't save me to let me sink in the turbulent seas of this old world. He saved me to bring me to safely to the other shore. Can you say amen? And I'm glad that when he says something, he means it. And I'm glad he's the one who can bring it to pass. You say, preacher, you get excited. Shut up and let me have a good time. Don't save all your yells for this evening when the cowboys lose. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Sailing along like everything's all right with the master in the ship, him in the back of the ship, head on the pillow, sound asleep. And the Bible says, suddenly, verse number 37, and suddenly there rose a great storm. Have you ever been sailing along in life The seas of your life are smooth. The southern breeze of time is blowing in your face. Mama's still cooking. Kids about halfway in subjection. Now you feed the dog and he still wags his tail. Have you ever been sailing along? You and your wife just heavenly in love. I said heavenly, not heavenly. (laughs) There's a difference about that, you know. And everything, for lack of words in the Greek, hunky dory. And then suddenly, a word spoken. A visit to the doctor. A knock on the door. The phone rings. And all hell breaks loose. Today you're planning on going to Hawaii. All of a sudden tomorrow you're headed for divorce court. They're the love of your life. And all of a sudden you found out they're a love of somebody else's life. Have you ever been in a storm? Someone said there's three stages in life. You're coming out of a storm. You're in the middle of a storm. Or you're about to enter a storm. (laughs) Jesus assured us in John 16, verse 33, that in this world you will have tribulation, troubles, storms. Jesus had storms too. Have you ever experienced a storm? There's all kinds of storms, you see. And there are physical storms like the storm that Jesus is in. But because of this physical storm, there's a storm in the disciples' lives and in the disciples' uh, 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 interbeing that uh, nobody else can steal. There are storms of various kinds. There are situational storms, you know. Just seems like every situation we enter, everything is against us. We voted and and didn't do any good. Everything just is seemingly to go wrong. In our marriage or in our relations, uh, it just seems like everything that we say, somebody takes it wrong. There are situational storms that situations arise. Brother Jim, we have no, uh, no control over at all. They're just situational storms. that They just bang, they hit us in the face. And everything we do, we try to fix it, but... We just cannot fix it. It just seems like maybe Murphy's Law is in existence. What's going to go wrong will go wrong. And it is wrong. And tomorrow it'll be wrong, anyhow. Have you ever been there? Yes, sir. And then there's those relational storms. Now, if you've ever had any teenagers. If you've ever had any kids, I mean, when they're little, they cry at the wrong time and they goo goo at the wrong time. If they got their goo goos and their crying straightened out, we'd have no relational problems. Have you ever had any relational storms? <laughs> Is anybody here today married? You've only had one argument since you've been married. It's been lasting ever since you've been married. Amen. Amen. Relational. I don't care who you are, folk. You're going to have disagreements. And you're going to have relational storms come in your life. And whether we like it or not, that's just... In the Hebrew, it's a fact, Jack. (laughs) But we have relational storms. It just seems like it strains to a breaking point. Uh, Some people just rub you raw. Can you imagine Solomon having a thousand (laughs) (laughs) mother-in-laws? Now, some are having trouble with the one. Come on, say amen. Have you ever thought the mother-in-law might be having trouble with you too? Why is it we think that mother-in-laws can't have opinions of sorry in-laws? And we give mother-in-laws a fit. Well, what about you in-laws, you outlaws? But there'll be relational problems. There'll be emotional problems. I I hate to say that, but these are the storms in our life that are hidden beneath the surface. You see, they we come with a smile on our face as if everything is all right. But deep inside, we're boiling with anger and hurt and animosity and hostility. And I don't care who you are. You got storms? Kids, you got storms? Well, why does mom and daddy, why are they so stinking narrow? It's because they're old. And they're square. They're not cool. And they're smarter than you. But these kids, they got emotional, relational, situational storms that invades their life. And that's why Andrew and, and uh, his wife and Dr. Amos and his wife love these kids and teach them the Bible truths and try to give them some activities that will create the kind, kind of attitude that we honor into God and they're not... Get mad at God, but they'd fall in love with Jesus Christ and continue to serve him all their life. We're trying to help these kids with these storms that invade their life. The Bible has some truths concerning storms in our life. I want to take just a little while this morning. What time does the game start, Jim? Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's gonna have a storm in his life when he don't make it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> let me give you three things, the Bible's let me give you three things. Now that listen, I wanna help you today. I know, I know, listen. Some of you, husbands and wives, listen, some of you, husbands and wife, not as happy. With one another as you used to be. I I want to help you. I'm not up here just to waste 30 minutes. Or 45 minutes. I've been studying all week. I've been praying all week. And I've called your name. Out to the Lord. And I've asked God to take this message. And show you. That storms. Can build your faith. Instead of arise your fear. I, I won't. Now listen, this morning, if you never listen again, but listen this morning on purpose. Would you do that? Yes, sir. Listen for just a minute on purpose. The Bible gives us three truths about storms. First of all, the Bible says that storms are inevitable. Now get that down. I don't care how old you are. I don't care. How secure you may be today. I I, I don't care how harmonious your home may be today. You listen to me. It can suddenly be a, a tornado, a hurricane in your house. Storms are inevitable. James 1 and 2 says, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptation, it's not if you're going to, it's when you do. Jesus said, In this world, ye shall have tribulation. It is inevitable. You are going to have storms. These young folk are going to have storms. Homes are going to get stormy, relationships are going to be strained situations are going to arise. Circumstances is going to hit you flat in the face and you say, well, I don't know where did that come from. It's there, regardless of where it came from. Please listen. The Bible says that storms are inevitable. Secondly, the Bible says that storms are unpredictable. Wouldn't it be nice if we could predict the next storm coming to our home. Wouldn't it be nice if we could predict the next time that somebody's going to infuriate us when we thought we were so right with God we could never get mad again. Wouldn't it be nice if we could predict that next time somebody's going to pull out in front of us and we're going to tear his rear fenders off. Wouldn't it be nice if we could predict the next time a skunk is going to run in front of your truck and you're going to tear a bridge up between you and Godly? <laughs> Amen, Mandy. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice the next time that your redheaded son was going to run his pickup plumb through the side of your house, through your bedroom and into the toilet? <laughs> Amen, David. Wouldn't it be nice the next time one of your kids tried to ditch the policeman and turn off to the side of the road and watch the policeman drive by? Wouldn't it be nice if you could predict how much it was going to cost to get Gene Jr. out of jail that night? (laughs) Let me tell them about you, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Brother Brian, you think I'll tell. about old Farcracker Cracker King here? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if the next time that all the church staff was eating uh, down at Poncho's restaurant and we're all sitting around the table and suddenly the doors open and the winds blow the police in looking for your associate pastor? Wouldn't it be nice if we predict all the storms that come our way? We cannot predict them. We can only react to them. (laughs) Did you hear me? Because storms, problems, situations, hurt, sorrow, sickness. It's going to. Show up. Inevitable. Unpredictable. I shall never forget when someone said they've hijacked three airplanes. It was a on an airy day, there was no clouds in the sky. The lightning had not flashed and the thunder had not roared to warn us that there was a storm brewing. Unpredictable, heartbreaking, soul wrenching, nation shaking. Storm. As we watched with our own eyes as those airplanes crashed into the trade centers and watched them crumble to the ground. Unpredictable. But storms will come because they're inevitable. Storms are impartial. Even Jesus had storms. The devil don't run around trying to find big Christians and important Christians. And he just hates Christians to begin with. And his business is stirring up storms for your life. He roameth about as a roaring lion, seeking who may be devoured. Impartial, inevitable, unpredictable. It happens to everybody, even Jesus. Let's look at our storm here. And let's us gather uh, maybe a lesson or two from the storm. If you notice, if you went in verse thirty verse 35, the same day, I wonder what day that is. Go back to the first of that chapter. You see, it's the same day he stood up and began to teach the people in parables. The multitudes were so huge, they thronged upon him. And uh, it was dangerous for him. It was dangerous for the crowd. The, the crowd was so huge and thronging upon him that he borrowed a little ship and, and, and just launched out from the beach just a little. And he taught out of this ship. The thronged multitudes lined themselves around the hillside there around the Sea of Galilee. And there they sit as he began to teach in parables. He taught him a parable about sowing and about seed and about soil. Does anybody remember that parable? He's standing on that boat as he teaches about a seed that falls in the ground. You remember that? And everybody who sowed the seed went to sleep, forgot all about it. Suddenly, up, something began to grow. Remember the lessons he's trying to teach? And he taught about a mustard seed falling into the ground, the tiniest of seeds, and yet it sprung up and began to grow and grew into a mighty, mighty tree that had limbs and all the birds of the air found rest and shadow and and shade. Talking about the kingdom of God, Christianity, the church, starts with just a little seed, 12 men, Over there in Judea. Just 12 men and a little seed hit the ground. And everybody forgot all about it. It's not going to do anything. And look what a huge, huge, huge movement it has become. Every hospital in the world probably was started by a religious organization. Most of the schools in our country was started as seminaries. And just look at all the folks. Even you are shadowed. Under the limbs of that mighty, mighty bush, that drew from just a tiny seed, but now he's teaching us something else. Now he's not speaking in parables. This is real life. It's one thing sit in church and get your soul full of God. It's another thing go out yonder in the highways and hedges, start showing people God in your heart. And Jesus said, now I'm made out of the real stuff. My teaching will work. Let's go to the other side. Amen. It'll work, he said. Amen. Let's go to the other side. He's still on that same little boat. Notice verse 35. And the Bible says, and I like this, and the same day, When evening was come, he'd been teaching that bunch all day. He said to them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. Can I pull a little phrase out of there? As he was. They took him even as he was. By the way... How you're going to have to take him too. He ain't going to choose, he ain't going to change suit you. Uh, he, he, he's not going to change what he teaches just to get you inside. Uh, if you want Jesus, you want to take him just like he is. Uh, you're going to have to take him just like he is a crucified Savior, a buried Savior, a raised Savior, and a seated King in glory today. If you take him, you have to take him just like he is. Now, I like that, don't you? Well, if God would do this, I'd do that. Now, God ain't going to do anything. All God's going to do, he's already done. And if you won't take him, you have to take him like he is. I get so sick of these churches that are trying to change the church to suit everybody in the world. Look, we're not changing anything to suit anybody. We're going to make this thing suit God. And if it suits you, then come on in. If you don't, go find you one you can fix. I've take it like it is. That's not a sermon. I thought I'd just throw it in there just because some of you folk look like you want me to do that. (laughs) And they took him even as he was and there were also other little ships And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship, so it is now full. Have you ever just felt full of what you're going through? Your ship is full. You don't want no more. And it just looks like your ship is sinking. Now, have you ever felt like you were sinking? They did too. Maybe we can learn something from them. that be all right. And he was in the hinder part of the ship worried to death about what was going to take place here. Oh, that's a new version I just read. Asleep on a pillow. What does that say to me about the Lord Jesus? That says to me that after preaching all day, he's tired. Amen. He's a human being. Amen. And I'll tell you, buddy, when I get through here, I just am going to collapse. I will be so tired, emotionally, spiritually, and physically you, you don't under I probably if you've never done it, you don't understand it. but when Jesus got through teaching, he was wore out. He was wore out spiritually, he had spent himself spiritually, emotionally, he had become involved with everybody around, and he could see their face and he knew their hurts and he knew their sorrows. When I speak, I look at your face. I know somewhat of what you're going through and what your home is going through and what your kids are going through. And for about an hour, it is an anguish of soul as I try to meet and help that emotional need. And meeting your emotional need, I spend and expend my emotional being, if you please. So Jesus was asleep even in a storm he was asleep i'd like to just give you three things which i don't have time to give you three things but if you'd like to have the light outline of the message today a promised destination he said let's go to the other side My Lord promised me that if I would accept him, he would give me eternal life. And one of these days, he's going to drop me off on the other shore. I wish I had time. Why did Jesus say, let's go to the other side? I wish I had time. I think maybe he said to those fellows, let's go the other side, because he realized there was a benefit to storms. These sailors are not the same men as they were. When he is talking in parables, they see him now as the master of the sea. There are value in storms you either break or you grow. Amen. You either give up or you go on. Right. You either discover God or you discover yourself. Amen. And their value in storms. Amen. But not only that, if you read the next chapter, Jesus didn't stay on the other side but just for a short time. You know who he met on the other side when he got off the ship? Legion. A naked, demon-possessed, pervert, living in the graveyard, left his family with chains and fetters hanging about him, crying day and night in that graveyard. Just a weird, ugly sort of individual. Jesus said, "Let's go to the other side. It don't make any difference how far you've sunk or how long you've been there. Jesus knows you, and he'll fight the storms of life to save you. What a savior. cast thousands of demons out of legion put his clothes on him give him a right mind sent him back to his house and said go show your family what great things I've done for you you know why he said let's go to the other side because he knew there'd be benefits for his disciples they can see that God controls the storms but also he knew there was a sinner on the other side that only he could help let me ask you something I don't know you but probably there's some storms in your life that has brought you here today the Bible said out of his troubles David made his cry unto the Lord God sends storms in our life to make us realize just how bad we need Him. If you have storms in your marriage, quit threatening one another about leaving. Tear the word divorce out of your vocabulary and out of your dictionary. There's a storm there, but thank God we know the master of the sea. In times like these, the songwriter said, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. When storms come, that's when you really need Jesus. I'm going to close. Uh, The plight of desperation. When you get in these storms, you react in several and sundry ways. I think the dumbest question I ever heard or ever read in the Bible, you find it in verse 38. Careless not, carest thou not that we perish? That's got to be the dumbest question any disciple ever said. And then I close with a powerful demonstration, verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind, said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Look at the word rebuke. Let me help you a little bit. That word used in the synoptic gospels, when it is used, it's always used in relation to, to evil spirits or demons. Which might suggest that the devil stirred that storm up trying to kill Jesus. What if the devil could cause a storm that would drown that fella who's going to hang on the cross and die for our sins? And Jesus stood on the bow of that boat and rebuked that storm. Didn't suggest just go away. He rebuked that storm and said, now just shut up and get away. Silence. Son, I could have worked up an amen for that, couldn't you? How do we, now when I do this, it's supposed to suggest to you that he's done. What do we do? Now listen, what do we do in our storms? Amen. Good, right. Good. Now that, that's, that, that's, that's really the question. Do we tremble or do we trust? Do we bellyache or do we believe? Do we panic or do we pray? Act in faith, act in fear, or live by faith. A young woman went to her mother. And told her that she was fed up with all the storms in her life. She did not know how she's going to make it through one more day. It seemed like it was just one storm right after another. Can anybody say amen? amen. Regardless of situational, relational, emotional, spiritual, physical storms, it makes no difference. They all weigh heavy on us. So she went to her mother, belly aching and said she was ready to give up. Mom did not say a single word. Instead of that, she took her daughter to the kitchen and said, Sit down just a minute. And she took three pots and put them on the stove and filled them with water. In one pot she put carrots. In the other pot she put eggs. And the next pot she put coffee beans that had been ground up. Mom has not said a word to her belly aching daughter. She turns the eyes on the stove and leaves them there for 20 minutes. And she said to the daughter... Did you see that? And the daughter said, yes, but what does it mean? So she let them sit there for just a minute and she went to the first pot and she fished those carrots out of that pot And they become soft, weak, and just fell apart when she pulled them out of the pot. She laid the carrots in a bowl. She went to the next pot that had the eggs in it, and she pulled them out. Gave them to the daughter and said, now, peel that egg. She peeled that egg and the egg. Had turned hard and put it in the pot. She went to the next pot, and the pot, the water had turned a different color. A beautiful aroma filled her nose. Uh, she said, Taste it. And she drank it and said, It's good. Sit it down, and mom just sat down and said, Well, what do you see? And the daughter said, Carrots, eggs, and coffee. And she said to her mother, What's the point? And the mother said, Now, each of these objects had faced the same adversity, boiling water, but each reacted in a different manner under the same adversity. The carrot went in strong, hard, and unrelenting. But with a little heat, it became weak and swiveled and fell apart. The egg went in very, very soft and and very weak and uh, fragile, if you please. Only protected with a small shell. But under the same heat, storm, or adversity. Inside, it became hard. The coffee, quite different. Under the same adversity, the coffee changed the water into what it ought to be. Nice aroma. Good taste. Daughter, are you a carrot, an egg, or coffee? Interested, isn't it? I wonder today... Which am I? I'm not worried about you too much, but what about me? Now, what do I do? How do I respond to storms? Why did Jesus go through the storm? To see how you might act when you have storms. And I, I just wonder, am I... Uh, Like the carrot that seems so strong, but with the pain and adversity, all I do is wilt and become soft and lose my strength and moan and groan about how bad I have it. Or maybe am I like the egg that starts with a multiple heart, uh, but changes under the heat. that I have a fluid spirit after a death, a breakup, a financial deal that I have become hardened and stiff and on the outside I still have the same shell but inside I'm embittered I'm angry I'm very rebellious on the outside the shell looks good but on the inside I wonder how your storm has affected you. But even more, I wonder how the storm has affected me. Am I a carrot? Am I an egg? Or maybe I'm like the coffee bean when the heat gets the hottest. It releases the flavor of Christ and the fragrance of heaven instead of in bitterness and anger and hostility and rebellion. The question is, how do you and I handle adversity? Because we're going to have it. We can either handle it like an egg, a carrot or Coffee. You know, I've determined not to tell God how big my storm is, but to tell my storm how big God is. Did you hear me? Quit telling God how big your storm is. He already knows. Tell your storm how big your God is.